The Carrot Blanca post on my Instagram garnered 3,000 likes and around 50,000 views. So I reached out to the creators of this short to see if they wanted to talk about it. And once you know it, they had tons of stories about it, never told to anyone. Tim and Julie were incredibly gracious with their time and they did want to talk about it. And it was the day before their 22nd wedding anniversary. So this was just incredibly special and I'm so thankful that I got to sit down with them. So of course you realize this means podcast. Are you ready, eager young space cadets? Where's the kaboom? There was supposed to be an earth-shattering kaboom. Hello and welcome to Of Course You Realize This Means Podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Graves, and with me today, it is my honor and pleasure to bring to you the creators and writers of one of the most beloved parody films for Looney Tunes ever created called Cara Blanca. If you haven't heard of it, I highly recommend looking it up. Uh, please welcome to the show, Julie and Tim Cahill. Hi guys, how are you? We are doing very good. How Thank you? you. Good to hear from you. Good to hear from you. I'm doing well, and thank you for being on the show. Um, you guys have a historic career in animation, and not only that, you have touched so many characters that have meant so much to so many people, and I'm talking about the legacy of Looney Tunes that you have helped develop uh, new shows for, such as Tweety and Sylvester Mysteries, Baby Looney Tunes, and of course, Cara Blanca, everyone's favorite little parody short. And I really want to get to the bottom of that one and know if there were any other shows or any other concepts that you had uh, that we haven't seen or didn't get to see. But you also had a, um, a stint on Cartoon Network where you were developing new shows like My Gym Partners a Monkey, which was hilarious. And we, you know, we were so thrilled to see new content coming out of Cartoon Network like that, um, as well as Legion of Superheroes, where you actually got to play in the DC Universe. So how did you find, how did you both find each other, first of all? And uh, was it through animation? Was that how you connected? Oh, it's quite, no. the, it's quite the Lord tale. Wow. Oh. Not really. We were working for a toy and gift company called Applause. Uh, they were big in the 80s and 90s. And Tim was a toy designer. I was a copywriter. And we met and started dating and one of our dates was one of our first dates was to see a re-release of Casablanca and um oh, wow. yeah so we're in a theater watching Casablanca and we had the applause at the time had the license for Looney Tunes among other things yeah. they had license for just the, they, they worked with all the studios that they did features they licensed the characters for feature films for the uh, for TV shows, just about everything, and I was probably I guess I was the lead designer for a lot of that that product yeah. that okay. Applause did for various and shows and and animated shows, live action shows, movies. Uh, movies, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Whenever a new project was being worked on by the studios, 
Applause usually had the license for it, so they would send me over to the studios to either watch them uh, shoot some of the film, go to the set, sort of come up with different product lines we, we, that, this, that Applause could uh, come up with in conjunction with the release of film or TV show, whatever it was. So that, that was my background. Yeah, so he, uh, just a little side note, um, Tim actually redesigned uh, E.T. a little bit for some product, made him a little cuter, and caught the eye of one oh, Mr. No way. Yeah. Yes, that's right. Caught the eye of one Mr. Steven Spielberg. Yes. Who, uh, <laughs> wanted to meet him because he loved the redesign of E.T. I, I sort of cutened him up and, and made him more cartoony for a line that applause. Spielberg didn't really want to release. It was for the, the video release, the first video okay. release of E.T., and so the uh, president of Applause wanted to get that as a license. Spielberg was not interested in really doing anything because he wasn't happy, the way I heard the story, wasn't happy with the the way the toys looked on the original theatrical release. Mm-hmm. So he wasn't interested in doing any more things. So I said, well, let me let me take a stab at this character. Maybe I can cute him up. I remember all that product, so I know what was out there. So I did. I took a took a shot at it, and they went over and had a meeting. And Spielberg happened to be, as they were making the presentation, happened to be walking past the office uh, while oh, they no were way. showing showing my yeah. It was like destiny. So it was showing <laughs> some of my drawings and, and sketches of of uh, like the redesign, and uh, he liked it and wanted to meet me. And uh, I worked with him on the on that product line. So that was kind of exciting. Had nothing to do with Looney Tunes, but yeah. that was sort of. Sorry, Some of my background. She's <laughs> no, I love that. I, I'm a big fan of ET. Uh, so it came out at '82. Was the new line the relaunch? Was that in the late '80s or early '90s? Yeah, it was like I think it was probably '84, yeah, mid- four, five, I something like that. Something yeah. like that. I wasn't working. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So they got the license, and everybody was happy. And so we, yeah. So back to our story. Um, <laughs> yes. So we won. And we went to see this um, re-release of Casablanca. And Tim, I think, had Looney Tunes on the brain. And he leaned over to me and said, Looney Tunes on the brain. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> it's a medical. <laughs> like Avid, Jonathan. Yes, Jonathan has, has it. Yes. Have it. Got Looney Tunes always, on the brain. Always. Um, so I he leaned over to me and said, wouldn't it, be, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. wouldn't it be fun to see the Looney Tunes characters in these parts, you know, of... Yeah, you know, and I'm like, okay, sure, yeah. I mean, like, <laughs> you know, I don't, I'd only ever seen Casablanca on television, and I had only seen bits and pieces of it. It was one of those movies I would catch in progress, and I thought it was okay when I would catch yeah. it. But this, this yeah. re-release was like a big deal for Warner Bros. I don't know what what anniversary 40th, was it. Something weird. 50th, it wasn't it fortieth? I don't. I, I forget which which like which forty fifth or something weird like that special anniversary it was. Okay. Well, when we saw in the theater in a, uh, uh, on a big screen, the way it was supposed to be seen, so I was sitting there thinking this movie is really good. <laughs> and then I started thinking about uh, Bugs Bunny as Humphrey Bogart and Pepe Le Pew as as the. Uh, so French yeah, so he was thing. thinking of it in terms of product, sure. like I'll design, you know, do some <laughs> mug designs or you yeah, know, yeah, whatever, and then. I sort of had an idea like, for like how the story could work. 
right? I think that's how it went, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I just mentioned it to her and she was like, yeah, yeah. Like she said, pass me the popcorn. And um, <laughs> the next day, I think you showed up at my desk and you had written a little short outline. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, she took me seriously. Who's got trouble? We got trouble. How much trouble? Too much trouble. Well, don't you frown, just knuckle down and knock on wood. This is fantastic. I was afraid it was so it was it was funny and it was spoofy and it was like the take was the characters playing the parts, but then like these characters have done in the past, they would slip into their own personalities, you know, like Tweety would be him. I thought I I thought I saw a pretty tat sort of personality while also being Peter Laurie. So it was that sort of thing. So it was so funny. What's up, Doc? Please help me, Mr. Bugs. I need you to hide this very important document. That wouldn't happen to be the document stolen from that poor Joyman sucker, now would it? I'm sure I wouldn't know. <laughs> and I had ha- I happened to know somebody in uh, the consumer goods area at Warner Brothers because I, like I said, I was always going to these meetings at different studios, and she had once mentioned to me. Tim, I really like the way you think about these characters. If you ever want to do anything, give me a call. Well, that, oh, wow. a year or so before this had actually happened with Julie and I. So I thought, well, she said to give her a call. So I did. <laughs> and she said, well, come on over. And we pitched her yeah. this whole idea. I did some sketches of the characters in uh, in character uh, yeah. from Casablanca. But, yeah. But since it was from the consumer products, you know, angle, I think you did right. some more products. I also did, too. yes. Yeah. I also and did so some she, products. So she was very excited about it. And they, she said they were looking, or she thought they were looking for a short. Which we had no idea. We thought we would get a nice dinner, maybe, <laughs> out of it. They, you know? So she hooked us up with um, Dan Romanelli at the time was the head of Warner Brothers Consumer Products. Gene McCurdy was the head of Warner Animation. And uh, real quick, friend of the podcast, Dan Romanelli, and he's set to return next month. Really? Well, oh wow! Oh my gosh! That's so funny. I, That's amazing. I also I also wanted to interject a question here. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Was there a toy line for Carrot Blanca? They did some product stuff. Uh, I, I went in, okay. in addition to this, the story, and I did some boards. That Julie did sort of pitched it, and she did all the voices, which was sort oh, of... Oh, we ended up, yeah. So we ended up pitching to the heads of the studio. Wow. Heads of Warner Brothers. It was uh, yeah. Bob Daly and Terry Semmel. And we didn't know what we were doing. We so. really had no idea what we were doing. We didn't <laughs> yeah. know who these people were. We were just trying to have a nice dinner out of this, you know? <laughs> well, I think this sure. we get, I realized we're going to get more than dinner out of yeah. this. Because when we pitched to Jean, she's like, do you guys want a job? I mean, she, you she know, did. wanted to hire us. Right she away. offered us a job right there. And we already had jobs. And I was like, uh, yeah, I, I didn't care. I, I'm not sure I want. We already have jobs. Yeah. yeah. I think you're going to get at least 10 dinners out of it. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> Billy literally pulled me aside and said, we are doing this. Yeah. We are going to do this, so I guess. I guess we're but, leaving uh, our jobs. Yeah. So yes. Wow. Bob. This is incredible. Yeah, and they liked it, and you know, because obviously it's it's all it's Warner Brothers meets you know Warner Brothers Animation. So 
right? Yeah, of course. it's the best of both worlds, yeah. and it sells their own product. Right. <laughs> yeah, and and to tell you the truth, it went through. I don't know if it was just in that meeting, but it went through a couple. Oh, first, it, it was go. It was going to be a half hour TV special. Do you remember that? Oh. Yeah. And then, as the sessions went on, it was going to be a feature for about ten minutes. And then, uh, then they were like, well, you know what? We've been looking for something to put uh, in the theaters in front of a movie. It was going to be Batman 2, wasn't it? I think so, yeah. yeah. We, so why don't we do this as like a shorter version of Casablanca? It would be snappier and funnier and the jokes could keep coming. So, you know, we didn't care. We were just happy that they wanted to hire us and do this for them. So what else can we so, say well, about So that? we didn't, you know, again, we didn't, like, come in. So we were part of the classics group. They hired us okay. to write and produce the short. And, again, like, we didn't know what we were doing. We were just come in, like, do 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 And, yeah. <laughs> you know, it was because it's, like, we had no experience in animation. And We were fans. We are fans of it. I knew yeah, how animation it, worked. I We uh, loved animation growing up, yeah. like, everybody does and um this was just really a fluke yeah so well, they um sort of so long long story sort of longer long. um <laughs> you know it took two and a half years to do a seven minute short because the whole thing was animated wow. in burbank um that's how we met tony tony and spike brandt and another guy named jeff sergey we worked for a company called star tunes in chicago they Three of them came out. They moved out here. They had been working on Tiny Tunes, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. They came out. They're animators. Yeah. Um, and they worked on it. Our director was Doug McCarthy, who's a great guy. You mm-hmm. should get him. Oh, yeah. You should get Doug. Him. Doug is awesome. He's very funny. He's got um, a lot of great stories. So we worked with Doug and, you know, got it down, got it down, got it down. We kept having to cut and cut and cut. Yeah. It's hard. Casablanca is a hard story to get down <laughs> yeah. to seven minutes. Yeah. And yeah, I was going to ask, so were there any moments, sorry, were there any standout moments that actually got cut from the film? Uh, you know, as you're going along uh, developing, you do cut things out uh, and ideas get thrown in and then get taken out just to keep things rolling. But I can't think of anything sure. off the top yeah. of my head that um, didn't eventually, think, that we didn't all agree on. I think Tweety might have had a larger part at one time because we tried to keep the same beats of Casablanca, you know, the big hit the big beats um, that Casablanca hit, of course. But um, and it does yeah. it so well, it's so compact. It's hard for me actually to watch it because it was the first thing we did and I watched it and go, oh, wouldn't it Yeah, we would oh, probably have, uh, we oh, do that's not- like anything, we've grown since it was so long ago <laughs> that uh, you, yeah. yeah, I do look at it. I, you know what, visually though, it's exactly the way I imagined it in my head because it's a beautiful piece of work. The animation's beautiful. The backgrounds are beautiful. Yeah. The way they did the fog in the last scene is just incredible. I don't know if I can leave you again. Listen, Kitty, if you don't go with him, you'll regret it. In this crazy world, the lives of three people don't amount to a... Yeah, yeah, hella greens, hella greens, we know, gotta go, gotta go. Oh, the last scene, yeah. yeah. Alan Bodner was the art director. Alan Bodner, who worked on Iron Giant, a lot of Disney... He He's just awesome. Yeah. Um, another guy maybe you could try to get on, because he worked on a lot of uh, Looney yeah, Tunes things. Um, Bill Waldman was a... 
an animator, Harry Sabin. But but they they got it exactly the way I pictured it in my head. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know that we wrote it the way I pictured it in our head. <laughs> we, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but it, visually, it's just I'm so proud of it. And, you know, we'll always be connected to Casablanca mm-hmm. for yeah. all time because whenever there's a release of Casablanca uh, on whatever the latest technology is, they always stick – uh, Cara Blanca with it, which is awesome. You yeah, know? because there's that was a, something we didn't even think about yeah, when we were doing it. There's a version. A beautiful synergy. Right. There's a, a box set, right, where Lauren Bacall references it. and says. Oh, yeah, that's right. Lauren Bacall. Yeah, to, it's her favorite short. Yeah. Her favorite ode to Casablanca, you know, I, I, however she puts it. Yeah. I, I don't know if you remember this, but I remember having an idea. I don't know if I pitched it to anybody other than you, that I wanted to do like a making of Cara Blanca where – Bogart, they were actually making Carablanca first, and oh, Bogart yeah. uh-huh. saw Bugs, yeah, yeah, yeah. the way Bugs was handling Rick, right. and and went to the uh, went to the Warner Brothers and said, "Look, you got to put a stop to this. I want to play that character." And I, I had this whole scenario where you know all the characters were, yeah, yeah. right. Yeah, we're taking oh, it. Also, it would have just—it would have been really fun. Yeah. Also, we ended up That's super meta. Yeah, right. Yeah. We ended up in the theater <laughs> in front of the Amazing Panda Adventure. Yeah. So we went from yes. Batman two to Free Willy. That yeah, long gonna, time was going to be Free Willy. Gonna do Free Willy. <laughs> oh, okay. But it ended up with Panda. What happened yeah. was they—I think the studio really liked it, and they thought that it would help a movie yeah. that maybe mm. they weren't getting a lot of traction for if they put it in front of it. So they thought it was, well, why would we put it in front of something that's doing really well? Let's put it with something that Mm -hmm. maybe we're not so sure about. I don't know how well the great adventure did, but I mean, it's a fine film, but yeah, um, Yeah. but that's all right. But no way you're as good as Cara Blanca. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's amazing. I I still, uh, I'm, I'm shocked that we were able to do that, but to tell you the truth, I thought once we were done this thing, we were going to be, Heading back to the toy companies, you know, because that's that's what I knew. I figured oh, wow. that's where we, I figured that's where we would go. But the interesting thing happened. It took so long, like Julie said, to complete it that we got to mm-hmm. know a lot of people that were working on other shows. Well, also mm-hmm. we were in the classics division. So what happened was early on they said, "Well, we can't really give you your own budget, but we're, we'll." Do will sort of tack you onto other projects, right? Yeah, like, they were trying to wedge yeah. us in and trying to get money from other projects to sort of finance this yeah. whole endeavor. So what classics would do is special like commercials, or um, if you ever saw like Bugs and Daffy at the Academy Awards, that would have been done by the classics yes. crew. You know, special things okay. like that. Okay. Okay. Well, we got sure. assigned. Yeah. You know, like we worked on that Bugs and Daffy thing at the Academy Awards. Um, you, you know, we did oh, nice. things like that. And then, yeah, we got to know people. Then we got to know people on the TV side. So then we sort of transitioned over to um, Sebastian and Tweety Mysteries. Yeah, Sebastian and Tweety Mysteries came along. Whenever there's a crime or trouble that no one can solve at all, it seems. That's when they come and on the double. Sylvester and Tweety Mysteries. It might be day or night whenever conditions are right for them to flee. So now it all still fits together. Sylvester and Tweety Mysteries. If there's a full moon, an old house with rotten stairs, just walk away with you. Chances 
Bar will be fed. Someday I'll eat that darn canary, and then I'll be happy, yes siree. But Hector thinks you should be wary. Sylvester and Tweety, mysteries. The chase goes on with each new mission, with rat drops of plenty globally. And through it all, they're in contention, Sylvester and Tweety. That was Faye White, White Mountain, Mountain, was the creator of that. And t was Tom Mitten mm -hmm. the producer? Mm -hmm. So we were good friends with at that point with Tom Mitten. So he asked us, you guys want to do a, you know, pitch a couple of episode ideas? So we had some, and we pitched them. And then we he, he, he gave us a green light for, for the ones we ended up writing. So that might actually yeah. answer my question of... Were there any other IPs that you wanted to delve into with these characters? And I think a lot of the Sylvester and Tweety mystery episodes are sort of continued parodies of the, those classic films. Most of them are. Yeah, there are some. Yeah, for sure. Right, right. Um, we did, um, Tim did a really fun poster for a spoof of some like it hot. We yeah, we pitched some like it. Uh, nice. Some like it hot. Well, there was a period like it was right. Was it right before Spy uh, Space Jam or after? Oh, after. So they were accepting. The studio wanted to know if anyone had other ideas for a feature involving the classic Looney Tunes characters because Space Jam was such a big hit. So mm -hmm. I always thought it was hilarious. Of course, everybody does when Daffy, oh, especially Bugs, would dress and drag to fool uh, Elmer, you know? So I thought yeah. it would be very funny if we could come up with a scenario where we can tap into that sort of thing that Bugs was known to do and then mm -hmm. have every bad guy in the arsenal of the Looney Tunes sort of chasing them. And then so we kicking around ideas and we came up, we, had, we landed on, well, you know, that's that great Billy Wilder movie, Some Like It Hot. We could have Bugs and Daffy, you know, witness some sort of crime happen. And then they join an all-girls band. And, uh, you know, they're chased, you know, throughout the, the feature by some bad guy. I think we talked about, like, like, Jack Nicholson would be, like, the the head bad guy that would be chasing mm -hmm. him with all of the mm -hmm. animated guys. So it would be kind of like a, more of a Roger Rabbit sort of. Yeah, right. Situation. I think it might have been before Space Jam, actually. But, um, yeah. But you know what? Uh, people like the, liked the idea and everything, but you have to be... I love that not idea. Only, not only do you have to be the right, have the right idea, but you kind of have to, have, for a feature especially, you have to be the right people standing in front of them pitching that idea. Mm. <clears throat> so <laughs> I don't think we had enough chops, really, to get some traction on that with uh, the people that we were pitching it to. And so Did we pitch that? I don't even remember. I, I think we pitched it to Gene and oh, well. a couple of other people. Yeah. For a feature. Oh, yeah. that's a shame. But, but, you know, also it was a movie from the 50s. Maybe that was part of it. I don't know. I don't think that was a problem. I don't know. I think well, it would be a problem. I think it would work today. Good, good point. Wait, what was his point? He said, well, Casablanca's from the 40s. Yeah, that's right. That's an excellent point. Yeah, so I don't think it was that. I, I, I don't know. I, I, I think it really works. I, yeah. I think it still works. So By the way, I have, to, I have to amend my date. It was 92 because Casablanca was 42, so it was the 50th anniversary. And then we started Warner Brothers oh. January of 93. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Okay. Um, so I so think what that, other, were there other properties, other ideas we had? Uh, you know, we were always coming up with yeah. stuff. Yeah. I mean, but while I we were that. in classics, we did like... Um, oh, by the name, by the way, the name of that was going to be Hit or Misses, which I thought was really funny. Because nah. <laughs> they, 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 they put out a hit on those two and they dress up like women. So they're misses. Yeah, so say they're misses. That's fantastic. Oh my gosh. Um, okay, can we circle back to that and, uh, you know, maybe make that as a short <laughs> in front of uh, the next uh, Batman movie? <laughs> no, it might be, actually. You know, I think, I think we really lucked out with, a, with being standing there in front of the studio with a short idea. Um, mm -hmm. Because at that time, Disney was also doing a short. They did um, Mickey's Brain. And I think oh, there was a... right. Yeah, runaway Brain. Runaway, yeah. Runaway, runaway Brain. Runaway Brain. And I think Pink Panther was also, there was a short that MGM came out with. I think the studios at that time were trying to, ex they were experimenting with doing shorts in well, front of features again. I think yeah. we just happened to be standing but, there with the right Yeah. And right then after thing. us, then Chuck Jones did a few shorts. Oh, that's right. Chuck did a couple of them too. I forgot about those. Yeah. 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 He does, he did a, he did a, a, a Sylvester one and I think a Bugs and Sam. What about the baby one? Little goat beef. No. Oh no, that was Spike did that. And Chuck did Superior Duck around that time. Uh, the oh, that's right. To, yeah, there the, was a there uh, was activity. There was activity around doing shorts in front of features at that time, and then I guess that sort of evaporated because they don't they stopped doing that. Yeah, but um, funnily enough, um, one of the products they did do for Cara Blanca was a puzzle, a jigsaw puzzle, and it says directed by Chuck Jones on it. <laughs> Uh, for Cara Blanca, oh, wow. yeah. yeah. It wasn't directed Interesting. by him. It was directed by Doug McCarthy, like we said. So we immediately got a hold of the consumer because said, this is a mistake. you got to change this right away. But I happen to have one. It says directed by did Doug. Did they change Jones. it? They did change it. Okay, because Doug ended up getting a letter oh, wow. from college. So I yeah. talked to him recently. He goes, I just want to that letter that I got from Consumer Products apologizing for putting Chuck Jones' name on that. Well, in a way, it's a bit of a compliment. They thought it was so good that yeah. Chuck Jones did it. Yeah. I know. <laughs> yeah. I, I would take that as a compliment. That was a nerve-wracking moment, though, because Chuck came. Remember we had a screening? Yeah. And Chuck was there uh -huh. to watch yeah. it. Oh, wow. What was that like? Was yeah, no, I know. I was. I remember being there and being okay. very nervous, yes. That yeah. this, I mean, because Chuck Jones. Like, I don't think he said anything to us. He didn't say anything. No, he so. didn't. But, but disappointing. But if we met Chuck a few times, and he was always very, very nice to us and everything. But, yes, I was very nervous. It's like Chuck Jones. It's like, uh, I don't know. Meeting your idol. Yeah. yeah. On the note of merchandise, I was recently at the Warner Brothers store that you go into after the tour. Over at the studio. Oh yeah, right. and they have a Cara Blanca shirt. Yeah. Yes, know. we saw that. Yeah, we couldn't believe that. Yeah, we saw we that. were very excited to see that. Yes, <laughs> so pulling in some money. Hopefully, yeah. <laughs> I, I have a couple more questions about Cara Blanca, if I may, <laughs> before we go into Tweety, sure. Tweety and Sylvester mysteries. Sure. I did want to add uh, one other cool thing about Cara Blanca is mm -hmm. we recorded the the score with a full orchestra on the scoring stage where they did. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah, that was, brother. that was yeah. pretty amazing moment. Yes. Richard Stone, uh, scored it for us. He did an amazing job. Um, yeah. and yes, that was an amazing moment for me to be sitting in the same sound stage as, uh, they did, as they did the scoring for the original Casablanca. It was amazing. That's incredible. I mean, what a legacy to 
add on to, you know, yeah. while meanwhile, like dipping your toe into another one. Yeah. Um, that's, that's just so amazing. Like right time, like right idea, right time and right people, you know? Yes. So, it went much further than we imagined when we were sitting there watching right. a movie originally. <laughs> it really, <laughs> yeah. really just took off. It, it was a bit out of control, but it was amazing. Right. Yeah. So, you know, right. sometimes you need to just follow those ideas through because you never know. You might get more than a you dinner. Never know. Yeah. <laughs> And kudos to you, Julie. Um, so you are the first Looney Tunes writer that is female to work with these characters in this broader stage. Um, did did you ever have any, um, I guess, notoriety come your way because of that? Or was it just kind of like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm doing this thing, uh, but, yeah. you know. No, you know what? Uh, I did not. Um. She doesn't even. Oh. I, I'm the one who always brings this up about her. She does not like to toot her own horn, but. <laughs> She was the first. She was the first woman to write for these characters, and I thought that was really pretty awesome. We didn't realize it at the time until we started thinking about it. I was yeah. like, Oh my gosh! Well, it's funny because I would always, in general, Warner Brothers was usually the only woman writer in the room. Anyway, you know, uh, for a long yeah. time. So um, that followed her to Cartoon Network too, because she was the first woman to create a show for that network, and we had a photograph taking taken of all the creators of shows during the years our uh, gym partner was on and she was the only she was the only woman there who saw that's that's yeah. amazing yeah i mean you know it's it, it should have happened earlier but you know i'm glad that that you were the one that pushed through and uh mm -hmm. broke that glass ceiling yeah that's that's fantastic and um, it was yeah. a loony glass ceiling though. yes <laughs> yeah. I think it wobbled. Didn't really break. It was made of carrots. <laughs> so for the casting, did you have a say in what characters, what Looney Tunes characters played the live action counterparts? Because that was my favorite part about this is uh, Penelope Pussycat, um, who's most known for being in those Peppy Le Pew uh, shorts. Yes. This yeah. is her first speaking role done beautifully by Tress McNeil and her her romance with Bugs, Mr. Bugs in this, is just so endearing to Looney fans. And I wanted to know if that was on paper or if that came later. Like, what was the decision there? Well, I think it was a pretty easy decision because she was the only, speaking of only females. Yeah. She, other than Granny, which I don't think she could have. And which Hazel. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think either one of them could really fit the part. Penelope was the only <laughs> female... Yeah animal yeah. character in the cast right because uh uh lola bunny hadn't been created yet right. so it was right. sort of yeah an easy... it, yeah it kind of worked since we had sylvester as the laszlo character and he's a cat um mm -hmm. yeah so it makes right. sense that they were together um and then you know claude rains did not make a play for ingrid bergman in the movie but of course <laughs> our, our uh yeah, gendarme that... had to go after yes uh, kitty that he thinks is a skunk so yeah yes. um <laughs> so yeah we did we did um, cast all of them i think we, we had them down we had that down before we even um sold it to warner Brothers. but you're asking about the voice the voice oh. actors oh both he was asking about the characters oh yeah okay. yeah yeah both yeah yeah we we but cast all characters in their parts the ones that made sense tweety was of course easy to cast as uh as Peter Lorre, because his, his head is shaped the same way. 
Um, uh, and so, the, so those those were easy. The the voice actors were pretty much already doing the yeah. characters in other things before we ever show even showed up with this project. So um, the studio pretty much went with the the voice actors that had already been performing them. Although interestingly enough, they did uh, try. They they at least ask. I was told. Isabella Rossellini, if she wanted to do the voice of Penelope, because she's the daughter of Ingrid Bergman. So it would have been right. a real... Wow, I do not remember that yes, at all. Yes, they did. And I, I couldn't <laughs> believe that they were actually going for this. Wow. And uh, I don't know if her age, her agent said, what, are you kidding me? Or, yeah. <laughs> or maybe <laughs> she, didn't, she didn't want to be connected too closely with the things her mother did. Or I'm not sure, but... She decided not to do it. And then Tress was, of course, amazing in art. Yes. Oh, wow. I, that, that's mind-blowing to hear. But I, I'm so glad Tress got the part because, yeah, she killed it. Yeah. And, you know, speaking of Tweety, whenever he goes into those Peter Lorre moments that are, like, you know, super out there, it really yeah. adds to the comedy of it. One of my favorite things, though, about this short is that you get those unlikely pairings because you never see Tweety talk to Bugs. Mm -hmm. And you get that in this. And... Uh, Sylvester right. and Penelope and, you know, the uh, general pandemonium, I think, is one of my favorite Yosemite Sam portrayals. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Perfect. Again, another perfect, you know, it was just easy to sort of pluck them. It uh, was almost like it was de they were yeah. destined to play these characters. But and it, but also, if you look in the background, like in some of the wider shots, you we tried to fit in as many of the Looney Tune canon as we could, uh, just you know, having a drink in the background or mm -hmm. yeah, whatever we needed right. them sure. to do. So that's oh, that's real oh, fun wow. too. Yeah. So my other favorite moment is the the song, the the famous song that Penelope requests <laughs> right. uh, from the film. Like, obviously, uh, Ingrid Bergman has a full song. <laughs> but Daffy just plays the one key, yeah, and that was like enough that. for Sin <laughs> Bucks. Yeah. I think that was Doug. Yeah, I think that was Doug. That was Doug's uh, contribution. Okay. Yeah, he, he, hits, he said, "Why we should just have Daffy hit one note. That's it. That's all we need. <laughs> I mean, that, that's perfect." Yeah. But then he does yes. the knock on wood thing, which was it was was in the Casablanca, mm -hmm. where he slams right. himself mm -hmm. in the head with the uh, mallet. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you ever went to the Warner Brothers Museum when it was open on the lot, but they no, have, oh, I missed yeah, that. Yeah, they have a giant a huge um cell so it was a glass three panel cell yeah. of daffy and bug at the piano from casablanca oh wow you could sort no of way. sit in and take a picture you could sit inside it yeah, yeah. you could become part of the scene what happened to that thing i don't know it was pretty big and it was three tiered yeah yeah i'd like to have it if <laughs> are we gonna put it in <laughs> yeah Maybe the living room. Wow. I when, when I have Dan Romanelli on, I'm going to ask him if he yeah. knows. <laughs> yes, sure. Oh, that's great. He might be the one. He's a regular or semi-regular guest for you. Yeah. Yeah, he, he's, um, he's a one-timer about to be a two-timer. <laughs> yeah, he, he was definitely a champion of ours. So, you know, um, he's that's like, awesome. yes, I want this for product. And um, so, yeah. Yeah. Oh, we talked. Well, we love uh, Dan. Yeah, Dan. Yeah, it was really funny when we originally did pitch to 
Dan, he was in the room, and Gene, and a few other people. Mm-hmm. I remember when I pulled out the product, Dan like leapt out out of the out of his seat. He was oh, like, yeah. yeah. I remember jumping up. I was like, oh my god, I, I must have offended him or something. No, he was so excited. Well, I remember uh, when we were thinking, when we pitched to Bob and Terry, uh, I was doing all the voices, you know. So I'm doing like Yosemite Sam or something. And Bob Daly talks with me and he puts his hand on my hand and he says, you're a very brave young woman. And I was like, okay. And then I thought like, oh my God, I guess I should be doing this. I mean, they laugh, you know. Um, Yeah. But I guess just. Julie's a performer between the both of us. Yeah, but not really. (laughs) She really shows you how much of a performer Tim is not. (laughs) (laughs) You just got to put yourself out there sometimes, you know, for the idea. Yeah. I, I do the drawings. That's the I get that. <laughs> yeah, see? Right, right. That, that's incredible. Yeah. All right, so we can move on now. I, I'm, I'm done with my uh, <laughs> my love for Carrot Blanca. And, oh, um, so... It won a couple awards. Yeah, we won some awards for it. The um, Charleston oh, what... Film Festival and the Houston Film Fest. Was it Film Fest? Film Fest, yeah. Charleston and Houston top animated of the year. I don't know. We got to go to Charleston and that was fun. Yeah. And, and, and have a nice dinner. <laughs> Apparently I just like to eat. I just want to make sure I, I get a nice it, dinner out of things. Um, I did want to make this quick shout out to whoever is editing IMDb under the connections. It says that a, a snippet or a frame of Carrot Blanca is in the ring. When uh, when someone watches that video that kills oh, you in seven days, oh my god, that is not wow. true. It is not true. Oh, it's not true. Oh, no. <laughs> wow, that's wow. I yeah, I don't know who. <laughs> I think he's weird because um, I feel like they want you to really say who you are before they take your edits. But then somebody does go in. Yeah, because we have some weird edits <laughs> on um our show that we did Little's Pet Shop like they've got all these voice actors that did not work on the show and it's like who are these people on my page there's another there's another writer whose name is also Tim Cahill who uh, used to he wrote books and went on adventures and I think he used to write for uh, Rolling Stone did a lot of articles for Rolling Stone and I have his credits yeah Oh, my. oh. <laughs> yeah. this, like you know, there's Looney Tunes stuff, and then there's I swam with dolphins. Yeah. You know, I was like, wow. <laughs> so people are people that have come up to me yeah. and asked me, you know, what was it like swimming with dolphins, and I have no idea. Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I don't know how he feels. If maybe his is the same thing. He's yeah. Kind of- well, we checked into a hotel once in Hawaii, and the um, the guy who was helping us, the bellhop, I guess. Yeah. He was like. Oh, Mr. Cahill. Yeah. Did, you, did you write blah, blah, blah? He's like, oh, no, that's the other Tim Cahill. And he was like, oh. <laughs> he was so <laughs> disappointed. <laughs> well, I, I wouldn't have been disappointed. You worked uh, with Bugs Bunny, so, you know, uh, you have a better yeah, life. Yeah. So. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Whatever. Your doppelganger may be out swimming See, with dolphins. <laughs> yeah, I'm really well. Peck to death by ducks is another. Yeah, he wrote a book. Peck to, Dex, Peck Peck to, to death, death by ducks. That's not an easy thing. To say. It could be Daffy Ducks. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. Um, oh okay. wow. So, so Sylvester. Sounds, Sylvester yeah. Sounds painful either way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right 
So, yes, Sylvester and Tweety Mysteries came up for you guys next. And was this something that you went out? Uh, you So you, you were asked to write some episodes for it. Um, right. So it found you, rather. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we were friends at this, at that point, we had been friends with Tom Mitten. And he okay. asked if, he, if uh, we wanted to, uh, had any ideas for any episodes, and we, I guess, did, so. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so, uh, but again, it was something we didn't know how to do, we didn't know how to write for TV, so Tom helped us a lot. I mean, he was really a mentor to us in terms of TV animation learning how that all worked he was very helpful and always generous with his time and very patient and just like a great guy do you know um, do you know of tom mitten i do know of tom mitten yes, i've never met brain. him. he's the brain yes he's he in the brain yeah he's the brain. <laughs> he looks oh yes yeah. he looks like the brain yes and, well they place the brain on him so yeah yeah he's a very funny guy yeah um so yes yeah, so we wrote a bunch of those um and that was a great learning experience and a lot of fun. And um, that show sort of, I think it started out, was it 26 minutes? And then it became 2.11. Uh, I, think that that might have I been don't out. remember. I don't know. I could be making that up. But um, but that was a lot of fun. And we got to, yeah, work with a lot of the Looney Tunes characters again. Um, and we always like to choose, or they, do they encourage us to go for like the more obscure ones? I can't remember. Uh, well, I think it didn't matter just as long as they were in the Looney Tune canon. The interesting thing about that show, uh, Faye White Mountain created it. And I asked her once, how did she come up with this idea? And she told me that at the time, she really approached it, uh, smartly is that a word mm-hmm. um yeah, she i'll allow it she said that uh because they were taking pitches I, there was a period of time oh, yeah when, there was like uh, everybody come up with a show idea yeah they all wanted us they just said that whoever had a show idea you can pitch it to us and we'll take it seriously and she was able to get that uh, sylvester and tweety mysteries through the system and i asked her you know how did she come up with this idea and at the time she reminded me that there were shows there were a lot of detective shows like um, uh, Murder, She Wrote. What was the, Murder, uh, She Wrote. The Murder, Murder, She Wrote was the big one. And she looked yeah. at uh, what uh, shows that were like Murder, She Wrote, Diagnosis Murder. She said, how can I get the Looney Tunes characters in this sort of a genre? And she said, of course, Granny is, has to come up with solving mysteries. And she takes the pets with them around the world doing that. And I thought that was such a brilliant approach to coming up with a show idea. And apparently it it worked because it went through uh, when many didn't. So I just wanted to mention Faye. I always, I always thought that was an amazing way to approach coming up with a show idea. Yeah. Thank you for mentioning that. It was one of the shows that I would watch uh, every Sunday Uh, for whatever reason, the WB channel would play uh, reruns of it on Sunday after dinner. And uh, I was just, you know, it, it was a comfort food for me. You know, I, it's characters that I know and love. I love seeing the the random Playboy penguin or the Rocky, uh, you know, cameos show up in there. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a show that I, I really, cause I like mystery movies. I, you know, the, the classic whodunit, I think uh, yeah. are um, really fun and, you know, they're just relaxing and uh, you get to go on a world bound mystery solving uh, episode with Granny, Tweety, Sylvester, who wouldn't love that. And like you're saying, it's, you know, take, taking something that's so 
uh, relatable to everybody in of the time and injecting, you know, Looney Tunes into it. I'm still waiting on my true crime series with Tweety. Like, where's that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. But um, yeah, that, no. Um, Scooby Doo has been going forever. Yeah, it continues original, to go. Yeah, right. So, yep. so mystery is always evergreen. Is, yeah, big, very big right now. So we very we good. had a we had a wonderful time. We you know we wrote uh, the first uh, episode uh, for Tom, and he liked it, and then he said, "Do you have any more?" So we just kept going until uh, he said, "Stop." <laughs> <laughs> Well, that was a while because the show went on for six years. <laughs> yeah, I don't uh, from nineteen ninety five. Yeah, we moved off. We to, didn't stay uh, with it the whole the whole yeah. run of the show. I think we were the first two seasons. We were two or uh, three, yeah, and then we worked on Hysteria, Tom Ruger. Yeah, my favorite one of my favorite uh, ones that we wrote though was um, sort of a Julie's favorite movie is It's a Wonderful Life. And it mm-hmm. always kind of bugged her that they never, at the end of that, found out what happened to the money. You, do you know the story of of the of the movie? Cool. Yeah, there's missing money, and that's, that's yeah, Jimmy I, yeah, part of the movie. Sure. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It, they never they never resolved that. The miss the money is never found. That the, well, because Mr. Potter has it. Mr. I mean, Potter has ever it, but takes him to jail or anything. Yeah, they never come up and say, Mr. Potter had the money all along. And so it always bothered Julie that he got away with this thing. So so the episode that we wrote was resolving that issue. Granny finally (laughs) accuses Mr. Potter of having that money. And that was like one of my favorite sort of Christmassy things to be involved in. I love that we got to do that. Yeah, that was a fun one. Oh, that's wonderful. Actually, I, I remember just watching that one uh, over Christmas, and I I did put that connection together, but I forgot that in the movie they don't resolve it for the characters because yeah, as an audience member, you know what happened, but the characters right. don't know. Yeah, <laughs> that's so SNL fascinating. There's an SNL sketch in the '90s where they put Mr. Potter on trial. Remember that? I don't remember yeah. that. No. Yeah. I'm gonna have to look that up now. <laughs> yeah. That was the closest we came to having some justice. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Merry Christmas to you in jail. Right. Yes. <laughs> so Hysteria was uh, created by Tom Ruger, who also worked on Tiny Toons. And uh, did, did you ever have any crossover there? With Was there any uh, talk of writing for Tiny Toons? No when, no, when we started, Tiny Toons was finished, I think. It was pretty, oh, okay. had already been on for a while, and they had moved... On to Animaniacs while we were still doing mm-hmm. our short, so we were busy with that. Okay, and yeah. then hysteria. Well, I think that's why we moved off of Sylvester and Tweety yeah. Mysteries, if I remember correctly, because right. hysteria started and Tom wanted us to see this is what's so funny you work at a place and you get to know everybody and they know what you can do and can't do, and next thing you know, you get a job out of it. So, uh, <laughs> Tom Ruger wanted us to write for, for hysteria. Mm-hmm. with a handful of other right, fantastic writers. We're honored that he asked us to do it. So so we decided to go with that. And after we had been on it for a little while, he showed up at our office, which was, his was in one corner of the building and we were in the other. He said, I want you guys to be my story editor for Hysteria. And we're like, 
what? I think we were like right in the middle of trying to break a story too. And he just walked in and said, you guys are going to be my story editors. Well, we had never story edited before. We'd only written our own things. So we were like, uh, okay. And then he disappeared. Mm -hmm. And that's what we were. And from that point on, we were story editing yeah. for that show, which was a massive show. It was a, yeah. With Mark yeah. Um, but it, ha it has the who's who of voiceover actors oh, at the time. And everybody. it, mm -hmm. It's right up your alley because it's parodies and satires of history or pop culture. Right. And yeah, I mean, talk about fitting into a box. Yeah, yeah. That was fun. Um, it was and big. we had it to be historically huge. accurate. Yeah, it was big because they didn't really so much write half hours. We would write sort of like sketches and then plug them into a show. It was like gigantic. It was a big show. Um, yeah. So, but it was wow. more fun and everything had to be vetted. It had to be historically accurate, you know? So yeah, that was also well, a challenge, but yeah. Why isn't this on HBO Max? <laughs> I know, I know. Um, well, you know, there's a lot of music in it and I wonder if that is an issue. Music? Yeah, there was know. a lot of music. Oh. Yeah, that's what we got nominated yeah. for. Uh, we got an Emmy nomination for song from. Yes, we did. Area. That's song right. about communism. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Groucho Marx. That'll play today. Yeah, it, it was Groucho yeah. Marx singing about communism. Yes, Groucho Marx instead of uh, the other Marx. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, it was called Communuts, I think, is mm -hmm. it's very. Uh, yeah, we lost. We lost. Yeah, who did we lose we lost to? Like Paul Simon. <laughs> oh wow! Paul Simon. Well, if you're gonna lose to somebody. Oprah <laughs> theme song was in our category it was so weird yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there, but, uh, would paul sign well, i can't think of how he would have felt if he had lost to us though mm -hmm. that would have been embarrassing <laughs> <laughs> so after hysteria you went back to tweety uh, with Tweety's high-flowing adventure, this is the first animated film featuring Tweety as a star. His mission, collect 80 paw prints. His deadline, gotcha. 80 days. The only one big enough for the job. It is you, oh great one. Is a bird. Thank you. Well, yes. And if I, I was trying to think about the history of that particular project. And I I seem to remember Tom had already, Tom Mitten again, uh, who was producing it, he mm -hmm. had already written like the first half of the script for that project. Okay. And he got busy and wanted us to write the second half of it. He had sort of an outline or a general idea on how it would play out. So I think that's what we did. We worked, we wrote the second half of that uh you should have written to tom and asked him for a refresher on some of these things but you're probably right yeah. i think that's the way that happened yeah yeah, yeah that sounds familiar so because we all three have right uh writing credits yeah on yeah yeah so i think and you know here's the interesting thing about this entire uh thing at warner brothers uh, they try yeah. to keep the writers and the artists sort of separated do you remember that julie of course <laughs> they they oh. they yeah, they we didn't. There wasn't a lot of like give and take or being in a room with a whole bunch of people. It was really like the writers would write the scripts and they would hand it off to the storyboard artists and the animators, and then we wouldn't see the end result until we watched it on television. 
Oh, no way. So right. they don't come to you for rewrites or anything yeah. like that? No, not really, no. And as a matter of fact, when we got our own show on Cartoon Network, my gym partner's a monkey, we swore we, did, we didn't like that. We didn't, because we would be surprised. We'd be watching an episode and go, wait, that uh, where did that come from? Or it would go down a separate road from what well, we had. Well, mostly on Sebastian Creed Mysteries, because Tom Ruger shows were like, you know, just follow the scripts. But on Sylvester and Tweedy, the, the board artists did have a lot of latitude. Um, and sometimes that meant, like, stuff would get cut out that we were like, wow, that doesn't really make sense. Yeah, like, especially Why did they do that? Especially when you're writing a, a mystery, you're sort of trying to figure out the mystery. So there's things that have to happen so that right. at the end right. the mystery makes sense, that it was solved in the way but it was solved. But, of course, you know, a board artist's job is to plus the script. And that's what they do. And, you know best ones do a great job and you know they're fantastic so you want them to bring their skills and talent to the script um you know it's and, a difficult uh, type yeah rope, but it is a tightrope to you know make sure that what the writer intends makes it in and doesn't sort of get you know thrown to the wayside just for some blackout gag or something so it is yeah it is something right. that you know, you, you kind of have to. But when we we got our own show, we were Julie and I said we don't want that. We want the writer and the storyboard artist to work together to uh, complete uh, an episode, um, and that had its problems as well. Because yes. you know, yeah, <laughs> it, yeah it, it took a little while because and we at the beginning we we're like, oh my gosh, I see why they, they tried to keep us separate because you know, <laughs> the, the writer's writing for his story and the storyboard artist is. Is is fighting for what he wants to bring to it. So it got it was a little it was a little dicey, but it, we eventually worked it out. I'm glad we did because I think we were happy with that mm -hmm. way of working. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It seems more harmonious in the long run. Yeah, uh, to have both voices uh, going in the same direction. Yeah, right. right. Yeah. yeah so sure. we were we were happy with the way that worked, but you know that's the way that's yeah. the way it worked for us. Yeah. At Warner so that's Brothers. that's how um, Sebastian Tweedy. Or, or just how Tweety's High Flying Adventure. So we just handed in the script and sort of went on to the next project. We didn't have too much to do. Uh, our other projects, the one we've, ones we've already talked about, we would go to recordings and be involved at other steps along we the way. Because we were already, we weren't working at Warner Brothers anymore. That was a freelance thing. Tweety's High oh, Flying okay. Oh, that's right. That's, that's right. Funny. At that point, yeah, we weren't we, on staff anymore. We weren't on staff anymore. Yeah, we were just uh, working at home. And that's right. that's when Tom came to us, and that's the way we worked with uh, Baby Looney Tunes as well. Um, oh wow! Yeah. So the characters were already in place for Tweety's High Flying Adventure. Yes, um, I spoke with Julie long. before the podcast, and uh, she was talking about how Tom had already created a Wooga. Yes, I, I think I'm that was the case. That's the way that character came about. I think that was all Tom. And, okay. Uh, then we were just sort of completing what he had already started on that that whole thing. Yeah, yeah. So, just a fun note: there there have been two uh, features featuring Tweety as a star. Uh, this Tweety's High Flying Adventure and King Tweety, which came out this year, and both have Tweety and Awuga in them. So it's just a really funny coincidence. Yes, I, uh, I understand that. <laughs> have y'all have y'all had a chance to check out King Tweety yet? No, we yeah. haven't. No, you brought oh, okay. you brought it to our attention actually. It is coming on HBO Max November 7th. So 
okay, check it out in a couple of weeks. <laughs> yeah, we have to, we'll check it out. Um, yeah. Yeah, and we had never written a long form before, even if it was just half of a longer form. So that was a new experience too. See, as we were going along, we were just sort of learning on the job for the most part. Um, <laughs> That's yeah. great. That's the best way to learn. Yeah, it's true. It's very true. Yes. Um, so again, Tom went to bat for us. We had a two Toms, Tom Ruger and Tom Mitten really uh, in our corner whenever projects would come up. So we appreciate both those guys immensely. Yeah. A tale of two Toms. I, I yes. appreciate that here. <laughs> so yes, Baby Looney Tunes. Uh, how did this come about? And what was that process like? Because this is not only a series that lasted for, uh, I believe, a couple of years, uh, but this was also a film. Yeah. Well, here's the interesting thing about that. And I was trying to remember about this. Julie, maybe you can uh, validate what I was thinking, if I'm correct about this. I think the baby Looney Tunes, which were originally called Looney Tune Lovables, mm -hmm. was a consumer goods thing. Yeah, right? this is correct. Yes. Okay. So that came from the consumer goods people while we were still at Warner Brothers. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. Yeah. And they said, we would like to do a show with these baby Looney Tunes. And I don't remember, I guess they were consumer goods artists that came up with the design. But then you did some. But I redesigned them because of my Spielberg experience. I re <laughs> redesigned everything. I can't leave anything alone. Uh, I And I said, uh, we need to make these guys look a little sassier. Yeah, they were too. They were a little. Just, yeah. yeah, they weren't. Too cutesy. Yeah, yeah they, weren't to, they weren't to our liking. So I redid all the characters with a kind of a sassier look. And we came up with this whole sort of uh, edgier take on uh, these characters as babies. You know, they weren't going to be these sweet characters because they don't become sweet characters. They become who they become, you know. Hey there, everybody. It's a loony full day to have a little fun the baby Right. Wise cracking sort of stuff. So we wanted the They're all the, brat. Yeah. We <laughs> they were sort of like, you know, the little rascals in a way. Um so sure. we had them I, I I drew them with a little bit more of an edgier look to them and stuff like that. Everybody liked them except consumer goods. They did not like this direction because they just saw them as being on product and mothers looking at these sort of bratty uh Babies with attitudes, uh, not Did being appealing. Well, you're gonna yeah. have to ask Dan Romanelli about that one. Yeah, that's what okay. I heard. <laughs> they, they they departed from my designs and went back to kind of more of the cutesy goosey one. But Tony and Spike did uh, a short called Babe uh, Little Go Beep, and they they're two characters in it: uh, the Baby Roadrunner and Baby. Um, Wiley. Wiley Coyote. Wiley they mm -hmm. are closer to my the designs that I originally did um, with oh, okay. the Roadrunner, 
like he's inside one of those baby walkers. And uh, so, <laughs> so at least those two characters saw the light of day the way I kind of designed them. And that's a really great short, too. I mean, those guys did an awesome job with that. I'm sure you've seen it. Yes. Yeah. No, it's um, it's really well done. And I, you know, kudos for the character design. You, you said you designed the Wiley Coyote and Roadrunner well, they, in that? They, or they, they were closer I, to? Yeah, they kind of took the way I had them designed on my on my take, uh, gotcha. which were eventually rejected. But they, they sort of kept them for that short. And I also got to do the poster for that short, too, because that was in the theaters. Mm-hmm. If you look on my Instagram thing, you'll come across from some month or two ago. Uh, okay. Yeah, I have like bugs, like the sassier looking bugs kind of coming through the concentric circle that's drawn with a crayon. It's got handprints all over it. You know, it was sort of a little kind of a sassier version of how we uh, saw the characters. <laughs> and one day a friend of ours called and said, uh, hey, you guys, you're famous. And I'm like, well, what are you talking about? Well, they had a poster i don't know if you've driven by there i'm sure you have they always have posters big giant wall-sized posters of whatever the on the sound stages on pass avenue yeah the, sure, yeah yeah, yeah. The so they had one for magic ring they had it for the magic ring and there's our names next to very know, nice Bill and joe's <laughs> they are like oh my god this is i've i thought i'd get a nice dinner <laughs> <laughs> Well, you're eating well, sir. Side of Warner <laughs> Brothers, and Julie's name on the side of Warner Brothers. This is a so. Uh, At this point, you're eating very well. Um, so <laughs> back to Baby Boomers, uh, real quick. So that series lasted from 2001 to 2005, according to IMDb. Okay, so um, right. And we were not on it right. And uh, I, I wanted to ask about the inclusion of Melissa Duck because I did an episode recently on this character. And the only other appearance um, that she has, like the latest appearance, is Baby Looney Tunes. Wow. So was was this uh, an idea that the both of you had, or was this from somebody else on the roster um, of who would be turned into a baby? I'm not sure, because at, early on we were writing scripts, and then we our story editing became uh, our main focus. So other writers were probably uh, contributing more stories than we were. And I'm thinking that maybe another, maybe one of the other story. Uh, maybe. Yeah, I don't remember. Yeah, in. I don't remember um, okay. coming up with her. Or maybe Tom said, we need uh, another girl character, maybe. That was always a problem because, you know. The, do we have Baby uh, Lola? It's a boys club. Yeah, you do have Baby Lola. <laughs> It really, it really is a boys yeah, club. You're, totally. you're absolutely right. And, and uh, in recent years, that's been yeah. changing. Um, I'd like to think that I said, "Let's have another girl character. Let's yeah. make that story." <laughs> I wish I could. <laughs> but I, I do remember Melissa. Julie, Julie out. is always pushing for girl characters because yeah. well, we other. love Melissa Duck, and I'm so glad she was a part of that show. Um, just because you know, more people that get connected to these characters, the the longer their their love for them grows. And um, you know, going back and watching the Scarlet Pumpernickel, where she's from, is always a joy of mine. So, oh right, oh, yeah. of course, that's right. I love her character. Yeah, I love Scarlet Pumpernickel. Yes, yeah. yes, that's yeah. So great. Yeah, I was trying to think of who, which uh, Looney Tunes uh, cartoons 
there are so many fantastic ones. It's hard to even pick one. And I like them for different reasons. I like like the Chuck Jones ones because they were all always so witty, and he would always mm-hmm. rely on the the slow burn and the slight subtle facial expression, which always made right. me laugh. But then you know the Bob McKimson things were so crazy uh, and, <laughs> and out frizz, there, frizz. and then Frizz stuff was just just out and out hilarious. Um, yeah. it was. I was just watching, yeah. I was just watching uh, a small clip of of um, Sam and Bugs, and he tells Bugs to draw a gun, and so he draws a gun and shows it to Sam, and Sam says, "Oh, that's pretty good." And he, he actually, tries. He actually draws. He actually draws. Yeah, he does a drawing of a gun. He goes, "Oh, it's pretty good." And then he tries. Sam tries to draw one, but it's terrible. And Bugs <laughs> tells him it stinks. I thought that was just. <laughs> It's really awesome oh, yeah. that they let each director take his own direction which with yeah. these cartoons yeah. and didn't try to wedge them well, all together. Because, as we know, you know, they left them alone because they didn't care what they were doing, right? They just wanted them to churn out the product and nobody really wanted to be involved with animation. So they just left them alone. And look what happened. They turned out this amazing product that we're still talking about, you know, 60 years later. Um, but, but they're also strong in their own unique ways, and I have a feeling they probably are. Seventy str- years later, they're yeah. strong in their unique ways. Eighty years later, the directors. Um, yeah, exactly. In their unique right, ways. but they also, you know, yeah. you had no interference from somebody saying we need to do this with them, and we yeah, to, yeah. Um, but that was one of the early perks of our job was just like watching. We would just get to watch torts all day, you know. We and, did like, spend a lot of time. Yeah. We did spend a lot of time watching a lot and, of cartoons. You know, we got to meet Chuck. We got to meet Frizz. Um, oh, what a dream job! Ruth Clampett, Bob Clampett's daughter. Yeah, it is pretty. Him. It's really amazing. And you know, when it's happening, you don't realize how amazing it actually is. Yeah. Uh, it's it's just becomes a blur because it's all happening in front of you. Yeah. And then it's not until you you sort of look back on it all it's just go oh my gosh for a while um Penn and Barbera were in our yeah that's right they were on our floor our building. yeah to see them on the elevator all the time going places it, it's oh, pretty amazing so cool. we're there at just the right moment you know yeah yeah for this yeah stuff to be happy. yeah um so j- my gym partner is a monkey is your first like creative own show uh yeah. for cartoon network which is just amazing and w- I guess, was there any Looney Tune inspiration that went behind that? I mean, it's an absurd premise, but it always makes me laugh. And I think it was one of the first shows on Cartoon Network that I remember, like, really having to watch every time there was a new episode on. Oh, um, so I guess, crazy. what was it like coming up with that show? And, and you know, w- what did you want to put forth for the audience? And, w- w- like, was it just, like, let's throw a bunch of spaghetti at the wall and see what sticks? Or, or was Not- there a process to it? This was there was kind of a little of all of that, because um, mm-hmm. at the time, like we said, we were had been finishing up and we weren't working at the studio anymore. Mm-hmm. We were doing projects from time to time for them, the ones we've already just talked about. Um, but sure. we needed work, so we were like, "Well, we've worked <laughs> on we've worked on animated shows." Uh, We've seen people come up with them over the years uh, while we were learning on the job. 
How hard could it be? (laughs) (laughs) We did a little bit of that um, at Warner Brothers. Um, Yeah, we were always pitching things. Yeah. Yeah. That Marvin idea when we were there. I think we had a couple other ideas. Yeah, we had a Marvin idea when we were there that uh, I I just remembered as Julie spoke his name, um, where he was going to be, it was going to be a reverse of Mars attacking Earth we were going to have Earth attack Mars and make it a big suburb, and he would have to live, you know, with these Earthlings. Well, it was like an experiment. The Earth was going to take a bunch of people from all around the world, you know, like a, make a diverse community and move them into Mars in this, like, in controlled environment. But Marvin, they were going oh, to wow. like, him, so he would be part of the neighborhood. So yeah. Marvin and K9, and they're like, they put him in like a little suburban house. Like they made it, you know, like a, a suburban tract. Yeah, and, and he would be like driven mad by the yeah. earthlings and stuff like, like that. I, I remember, I forgot we had pitched that idea. Yeah. yeah. Make room yeah. for yeah. Is, you're, you're, Go ahead. Is, is that different from the uh, pitch video that has made its way online for the potential movie uh, starring Marvin the Martian? Was this oh, uh, separate sure. from that? I'm sure I it is. I have I haven't seen it either, but uh, th- we did this oh, okay. many years I'll ago. I'll send that to you. When we were still... Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, in the 90s when we were still just trying to come up with... I think that was during that period. Does when it they sound were... like it's the same idea? <laughs> so in, in the pitch video, it's Christmas time, and a kid goes to the Christmas tree and unwraps his present, and inside the present is Marvin the Martian kidnapping him. Oh. <laughs> uh, that's, that's funny. Great. Yeah. No, that that's, that's <laughs> like what we did. I think that we, we pitched that when they were open to just having all of us pitch ideas. Right, that when Sylvester like, and Tweety Mystery went yeah. through, yeah, we pitched okay. yeah, yeah. an idea. Yeah. But um, so Jim Partner, I mean, we, I think Looney Tunes probably is always in the back yeah. of our minds. We're such fans sure. of humor and how outrageous the Looney Tunes always were. So, of course, that worked its way. I'm sure, in our subconscious yeah. into Jim Partner. Um, because we, that. you know, grew up watching them too, you know? I mean, I, I never knew that I would get into animation. It wasn't something that I was striving for, at, you know? I mean, it didn't yeah. see it coming at all. But, um, but once I got there, it was like, it wasn't unfamiliar to me because mm-hmm. I always, you know, loved cartoons. So, um and I still, you know, love watching the old shorts if we come across something on TV. I love that. Endless inspiration for sure. The way the the germ of the of the gym partner idea sort of came to us, we were having dinner with our good yeah. friend Tony Savoni. Uh, we we're having a pizza. Nice. I don't we were just started talking about when we were growing up in our school, lives. Going to school. Going whatever, to school yeah. and all kinds of things. And Tony mentioned in passing that he went to this school that didn't have any walls. And I was like, what? What is that? <laughs> so it was outside? No, no, yeah. it was inside, but it just didn't, ha- didn't have any, like, classrooms. It, yeah. It was, the oh, way you described it, it was just like a big area where there was... <laughs> he said it only lasted like a year or two. It, so they had little different sections of area of this larger room where te- teachers would be teaching whatever group was sitting in front of them at the moment. And he told told us that uh, in addition to that, the science section of this area had a monkey. And he would just spend all day with the monkey. 
And I thought that was hilarious. Going to school and spending the day with a monkey just struck both of us as very funny. And of course, sure. being writers, we steal wherever we can steal from. Um, I think <laughs> you couldn't get that idea of a boy in a school with a monkey all day out of our heads. Mm -hmm. So we started to play around with, okay, what if we have an all animal school and this boy accidentally, because his last name is misspelled, his last name was Lion, L-Y-O-N, it's misspelled, the Y is taken out and the N is put in there, and the central school system goes, this kid is a lion, we need to put him in the all-animal school. <laughs> because there is an all-animal school. Um, wow. Yeah. It exists? He's the only human in an all-animal school. And it's a little, it's, it's kind of the jungle totally. book, but inside of a school. So it's sort of sure. developed, in, it's sort of developed <laughs> into that. There's this kid, his name is Adam. He's, uh, he's in the school and he, he wants to be with his friends at, at the human school. And of course, we know that that will never be worked out. He'll, be, he'll graduate before that ever gets, you know, sorted out with the central school system. So that's kind of how that idea came up. And, and we... We pitched it to Cartoon Network, Sam Register over there, and he sparked to it right away. And it was another one of those situations where yes. we, were, we were pitching something else, and he was like, meh, yeah. got anything else? I'm like, well, it's not really developed that much, but we do have this idea called, you know, Origin Partners Monkey. And he, he liked it. So. <laughs> and he liked it right away. So um, so that's he, uh, he got it through the system, and we were over there for four seasons working on uh, my gym partner's monkey. And that's dear to our hearts because that came out of us. You know, it was yeah. our own characters. I designed the original characters and then it was all us. We were, we went from just not really knowing what we were doing to writing, to story editing, to now we had our own show. So it was a slow growth over years, but we got there. And you paired yourselves up with industry professionals like Stephen Banks and Paul Dini. Um, what was it like bringing them on uh, to the project and, you know, their their, their collaboration? Well, well we, they uh, weren't Stephen Banks. We didn't have uh, Paul Dini. We worked with some things with Paul when we were over at Warner Brothers, but we didn't really... He wasn't oh, on... I'm lies again. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah, and, um, he didn't work on show <laughs> with us. Oh, okay. We did some episodes of Crypto Superdog. Um, Alan Burnett. Oh, that's right. Yeah, Alan that's Burnett. Right. We did a couple of, of episodes for that. Yeah. But, but as we're going to have to edit this IMDb all I, up I, and I, down. <laughs> yeah, sometimes things get a little garbled. Shoot, I need to look at that. Um, no, no. Problem. I'm sorry, guys. No, we know. Ah, that's okay. fine. We know Paul. We. I think we worked on some special projects with him when we were Maybe. at the studio, yeah, one or yeah. two things. Um, and then he was involved in crypto, but um, that was, yeah, that was it. Um, no, so um, Jim Partner, um, Tom Shepard, who worked on, we knew from Warner Brothers, he worked on Pinky and the Brain. Um, he, was he was our, our head, head writer. Yes, he was our head writer. Um, okay. Yeah. Mitch Larson, who went on to do My Little Pony. He started, we were his first job. He had never written for an animated show before, and he, Julie hired him. Um, 
Oh, wow. Roger Eschbacher, who was on Hysteria, he was a writer for a while. Um, who else did we have? Gary Hartle, who did a lot of Warner Brothers stuff, worked on the show. He was our animation director. Yeah. Um, yeah, there were so many great people. And then all the voices were so much fun. I mean, that, you know, we did everything on uh, Jim Partner. We had to prove all the art. We had to prove, uh, well, we were involved with the music selections. We had to sit in on all the recording. You know, Tom Kenny was our monkey for the show, and yeah. he was awesome to work with. Yeah. Um, Brian Doyle Murray was uh, um, the goldfish character. Yeah, he was our Coach Gills. Coach Gills. Female Coach Gills. Yeah. yeah, that was one thing right from the start. We were like, I don't know what made us think this. We we're like, okay, we're going to have this goldfish character who's the coach and it's a female. Who would be great for that? And instantly in our heads, it was Brian Doyle Murray because his voice is all gravelly. Yeah. We're like, perfect. And we got him. And I don't we, know why. Oh, wow. And we got him. Yeah. It wasn't even like a problem. He signed right off on it. That's incredible. Yeah, it's a stellar voice cast and stellar concept. I thought it was really unique and something that, you know, really lent itself to the the whole repertoire of cartoons that Cartoon Network really wanted to put out uh, that differentiated itself from other networks. Yeah, we, and, had, fun, you know, we had fun designing the inside of that school, making it look like a school, but also making it look like a jungle, which was mm -hmm. really fun. Yeah. Um, we came up with this whole... Uh, system for the fish to get around. They were the fish tubes that were all yes, over the, the fish place. tubes. Yeah. yeah, they were all over the place. And I think Jake and and Adam end up trying to get the class fast. They jump in one and it explodes. Mm, yeah, yeah, I got in real trouble oh, for that. Right. And then uh, Principal Pixie Frog, who ran Marcel the school, Marsh, he would yeah. yeah, Mo, who we knew from other projects, he signed off to do the voice for Principal Pixie Frog. And uh, he was always just worried about getting sued. He didn't want the school to be sued for any reason. He didn't care what was going on <laughs> in the school, just as long as he wasn't sued and the school wasn't sued. So, yeah, that was an awesome experience. Awesome. Yeah. I hope it shows up on HBO Max uh, for others to enjoy uh, as we got to enjoy it as kids yeah. or as adolescents. Uh, it's on iTunes? Sorry. It's, oh, it's is it on America iTunes? America on HBO Max right now. Um, but I think it's on iTunes. Uh, Apple. Oh, okay. I think. Okay. Yeah. It's or, on something. No, Apple, some, I don't, yeah. It's Maybe on it's something iTunes. right now. Yeah. Every now and then we'll get a, we'll get a uh, residual check. So it's playing somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you're listening out there and you're curious about the show and you haven't seen it, I highly recommend going to Apple and renting some episodes um, or the whole season if you can. There's so many streamers, right? I mean, like, there's way too many. Yeah, yeah. Who but keeps yeah. up with these things? IMDb will tell you where it is, I think, right? IMDb will lie to you. Do they not trust know. IMDb. Yeah. We've learned nothing else. We have learned that. Um, exactly. So that went that went for four seasons, four and a half seasons, something like that. Um, so that was that was, that came to an end, and then we got on uh, a little pet show, or did we do things in between? Uh, yeah, pretty much. I don't want to go off IMDb anymore. <laughs> no, it's real. Uh, yeah, a little pet shop would have been the next big project. But we had some things in between. We worked on some Tom and Jerry things. Yeah. 
yeah, I did some Tom and Jerry episodes, and we're always like developing things. That yeah, always out. We were always out pitching, or you know, developing for other people things that may never see the light of day, or the different projects. Yeah, there. when you're but, yeah, our next big project was uh, Hasbro asked us to do a take on Littlest Pet Shop, on the toy line. Okay, and yeah, they wanted to do a show, so. They had the, they had the well, I would I would consider the both of you toy experts, so I think that's a yeah, good well, choice. I think <laughs> they kind of gave us a leg up because uh, I guess that's the word is that we have a um, product background. So they came to us with a li- their line of characters, but not really that much of a show. A little bit of okay. development thing, and um, so we sort of came up with the framing of how the characters would interact and be in the pet shop and uh, kind of had an Alice in Wonderland thing because they wanted this Blythe doll to be involved, which was not originally part of that toy line. So we had her move into uh, sort of a brownstone that was above the pet shop. And then she discovers this uh, dumbwaiter. A dumbwaiter that she okay. that had been abandoned and she takes it down to where the, the pet shop is and has all kinds of amazing adventures. So it's a little bit of an Alice in Wonderland where she goes down the rabbit hole to have this amazing adventure with these strange characters. And we even gave her like her nemesis. They were like the Tweedledum and Tweedledee characters in Alice where they were the, the biscuit twins who were just these terrible rich girls whose father owned the biggest pet shop across town. And they were always trying to, sort of stick it to the Littles Pet Shop. So. I mean, basically created a different, you know, another world with Blythe and her friends and her school and everything, and married that with the animals of the pet shop. And while Blythe was at school, they would have their fantasy uh, world, you know, where they could just do anything. So they did, but to to most people, they were just pets. So, right. You know, um, that fun dichotomy of, like, the secret yeah. world of... These right. characters. Yeah. That's really right. fun. And like they could only communicate with Blythe. And uh yeah. and she was always trying to keep it a secret because she didn't want to think want anyone to think that she could speak to animals and they could speak to her. So there was a lot of that sort of she's trying to keep it hidden thing, but then it would somebody would find out and uh-huh. hilarity would ensue. Right, right, right. And this show is still going. Uh yes. I'm seeing that season seven premieres on December 21st of this uh, year. Version of it, so I don't even we, know. We did about oh, okay. how many episodes did we do? Like 150 of no. them? No. Oh, it, wow. it was a healthy run, but then uh, that came to an end, as these things do. And um, I think they tried to reboot it again a yeah. couple of years ago. So that you're probably seeing some of that. Right, right. Okay. Yeah, they kind of merged the two. It was a whole different, it was a whole different take on... Oh, okay. It wasn't Blythe, wasn't involved. It wasn't any of the other stuff. We had a lot of great music in that Mm -hmm. show, too. A lot of original songs. And um, oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, it's it's really an entertaining show. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Who was the composer? Daniel Ingram. He did a lot of the. um, He's out of Canada. Okay. He he did a lot of the um, My Little Pony Pony stuff. We were sort of like it was like My Little Pony. And us were like their popular shows at that time. Okay, cool. Yeah. Well, we yeah they wanted us as a companion to Pony. We well, yeah, um, we used the same animation studio and some of the same animators and stuff. 
Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. So that's cool. That's, so you that's can where we that's where we were. We. Uh, and we've yeah covered it all. We we continue to come up with ideas and pitch them around town and work on helping other people develop things. Um, so that's kind of where we are now. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. And um, you can catch all these shows on Amazon, I'm sure, uh, if you have a subscription there or if you uh, want to rent them. Um, I did see Lilith's Pet Shop was there uh, from, I think, early on. So all okay. those early seasons yeah, yeah, yeah. would be there. It sounds like you made lasting impressions with uh, literally all of the animated teams that you worked with. And awesome. uh, that's indelible and incredible. And um yeah, well, well, what is it about working with these Looney Tunes characters specifically that having your voice be a part of that? Like, how does that feel to be a part of that legacy? Well, it's just the history of them. I mean, they're only, I, I think they're equal with the Disney characters in terms of their history and love for these characters. Yeah. So the fact that we were able to do that and have our names connected with them in any way is a giant surprise to both of us and a joy. What do you think? Yeah, it's pretty amazing. Absolutely. You know, um, yeah, growing up watching them and, you know, you don't think about how how do these get made? Who's doing this? You know, um, just that they're funny and, you know, they take you away from your troubles for seven minutes at a time. And, um, you know, that's the great thing about animation it just takes you someplace else and these characters you know they just always work i think and um i love what they're doing right now with them mm-hmm. they're, they're they're recharging them they're rebooting them yeah um finally getting back have you seen they were i've yeah. seen, I've seen the, the retro I've, series of of looney tunes cartoons have you seen the new halloween special no no we haven't what's that on HBO Max, and uh, it's the same series. Um, they just packaged oh, uh, three new shorts along with one of the um, earlier released shorts, um, but they're all Halloween or spooky themed, and right. they're incredible. Just you know, vibrant. I saw I saw some clips from that on Instagram. I think just like yesterday, and it does look okay. pretty amazing. They're doing it great. I'm so happy the direction they've taken, which I guess they sort of followed Disney the way Disney's yeah. handling the classic, you know, Mickey Mouse and the gang characters. Right, which was such a surprise that Disney did that before Warner Brothers did. I know, it really was. But I'm, I'm so happy they did. And I think a lot of Cartoon Network people were involved with mm-hmm. that Mickey reboot. Yeah. And they're doing an awesome job, and I love those things. Right. Uh, so I totally yeah. agree with you, Julie. It was, it was jarring to see Disney do that first, but I also feel like Disney injected a lot of Looney Tunes into those new shorts. Yes. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. You're right. absolutely right. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, Disney, they were, they were funny in their day, but they weren't quite... I think Looney Tunes really came as a reaction to what Disney was doing with the Mickey gang and stuff. Absolutely. And like the Looney Tunes are much edgier, yeah, because, wisecracking, and all yeah. that hilarious stuff. Yeah. That, then what happened with um, Disney was that they just got too precious with those characters. You know, they mm-hmm. just sort of got overprotective of them and and sort of didn't want them to really be doing anything except selling product. Which Warner Brothers was in danger of doing with mm-hmm. the Looney Tunes characters there for a while, but 
Yeah. Thankfully, I would say I, I would say they were in danger of that right before you showed up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, well, I think that was one of the reasons um, when Tom Ruger came up with Tiny Toons, because they couldn't really, they didn't really want to do anything with the classic characters at that point. So they had to come up with a whole new sort of. They were Looney Tunes, Adjacent. but they weren't Looney Tunes. Yeah, yeah they, they were right. a whole new group right. because they could be wacky and silly and all that sort of stuff. Because I don't know, they were worried that Bugs Bugs had actually become like a corporate symbol yeah. for Warner Brothers. So, yeah, which is what right. happened with Mickey too. It was more of a he was more of a corporate symbol than he was a crazy wacky character. Right. Plus, it's, exactly. Yeah. Plus, it's hard to really, aside from Care Blanca, it is hard to. Uh, you know, have them all work together. It doesn't really. That is mm-hmm. no, that's tricky too. Yeah. Yeah. The Mickey and Goofy and those guys, they sort of work together, but the Looney Tunes were designed to work yeah, sort of you, in pairs. Yeah. You can't have Bugs and Sylvester. It was unusual to see them outside of their pairing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's why we need more shorts like yours, like yeah. Hidden Misses. It did work. <laughs> yeah, it did work. But I think it worked because they were playing parts. They were basically yeah. playing parts. And they would slip into their, you know, wacky characters and then slip back into their part again. So I think that's maybe why it might have worked. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, uh, where, where they're at right now is kind of a renaissance of sorts. And I'm really thankful that Sam Register is over there garnering all of these new projects. And, you know, I hope they see the light of day after all of this merger stuff gets sorted out. But there's uh, two new features that are on the way, and uh, hopefully they, you know, they get to fruition and we get to see them before our very eyes in theaters. Hopefully, we'll be we'll be sitting there watching them with you if that happens. (laughs) And everyone will know that Carrot Blanca was the reason why. (laughs) (laughs) Tiny, very tiny sliver of a reason why. Yes, exactly. But yeah. still there, still there, still very important. It's been, it's been a joy talking with you about this whole thing. It's, yeah, uh, it's kind of so, so much, much for, fun. Yes. Yeah, thanks for reaching out. And sticking with Absolutely. us we were away for a while. and No worries. Thank you for being on the show. Uh, do you want to let listeners know where to find your Instagram or your uh, social media presence? Oh, yeah, sure. Um, Tim is Tim okay. underscore C-A-H and then T-O-O. Right. Instagram. And I'm Jay McKay, J-M-C-C-A-H on Instagram. Um, awesome. Yeah. I just wanted to say that it's been an honor to speak with you over your careers, your long and illustrious careers in animation. And, you know, who knew you would wind up here, you know, working in animation, working with these characters, but you have and you've left a, a mark on them that is still felt today. Anytime that I post anything related to Carablanca or, you know, Baby Looney Tunes or Sylvester and Tweety Mysteries, I'm always hit up with, I love these shows. Um, I love this. I love this product. I I love these characters um, because of, you know, that was my childhood. So you, uh, you've definitely made an impact. Well, thank you so much. That's That's wonderful to hear. And uh, thank you so much for, yeah, for thanks for being such a fan and keeping them alive and loving them so much. You know, it's fans like you that really um, just keep it alive and, you know, keep the legacy going. And, uh, yeah, it's great. So thank you. Thank you. 
A enormous thanks to my guests, Tim and Julie Cahill, for joining me in this discussion over there. I hope that you have a chance to revisit Carrot Blanca or some of the shorts that they worked on with Baby Looney Tunes or Sylvester and Tweety Mysteries. Those are always fun to revisit and look forward to more Looney Tunes with uh, the King Tweety film hitting HBO Max in the coming weeks. So look out for that. And you can already find my review on that film in the archives. My wife, Sabina, and I sat down to review it, and we think you're going to like it. So check that out. You can follow the podcast over at OFC This Means Pod on Twitter, and This Means Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. Don't forget, I also have a Patreon where you can find the all-new commentary for Space Jam, new commentary track just for Space Jam, at one of my early tiers, as well as getting access to a Discord channel where you can interact with other people that are talking Looney Tunes, and just all around uh, more content. So go over there, join if you like, or just, you know, uh, see what it's about. I appreciate it. Uh, I also appreciate any reviews. If you can review the podcast over on Apple iTunes, give it five stars and whatever you think is reasonable, <laughs> whatever you want to say under that is up to you. Thank you, fine listener, for finding us, for sharing us, for, you know, being a part of the conversation and continuing this love for Looney Tunes as we go forward into the new year and you know, the holiday season, what's going to happen, what is going to be released on HBO Max, let us find out together. So with that being said, that is not all, folks. Have a good night. I just want to say one thing. That's yeah. all, folks. Did it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that, Tim. <laughs> Thanks, Jonathan. All right, guys. Thanks, Jonathan. All right. Have a good evening. Thank you.